Red Business with Ibeck, building a sustainable competitive future in Cork business. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, we're going to speak to a woman who has dyslexia, who set up a business to help others with a similar situation. We're also going to hear about a company that's embracing a shorter working week. But for the most part, we want to bring you back to your college days. If you were a student in Cork in the 80s or 90s, then you're going to be a little bit green hearing about our next guest project. It is a project called the Ashling House on the Bandon Road, 53 million euro put into it, and it really is the creme de la creme of new student accommodation. Des Reardon of Clancy Construction uh, is the company behind it, and he's with us now. Des, how are you? Very good, Jonathan. Good to, have, good, good to be here. Um, now, this is, first of all, a very, very expensive project, 53 million. Tell us a little bit about it, and sure, they're only students, Des. What are you doing giving them luxury accommodation? <laughs> they're the future Jonathan they're the future um, well I was the future once and they never gave me decent accommodation but anyway go on <laughs> so yeah we started um, in the, the 18th of May on site 2020 um, the, the programme was initially 28 months unfortunately Covid hit um, just before we were to start and in between the, uh, the construction so it's 554 apartments set over 77, um, or 554 beds, um, student accommodation set over 77 apartments, over five blocks, um, plus uh, amenity space. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's uh, um, coming to completion now in August and um, gone really, really well um, amid Brexit and COVID. Um, uh, but no, uh, re- really looking forward to handing over the project. The the mock up was inspected by the the operator Nido um, at the end of January. Um, fantastic compliments, one of the best, if if not the best, um, that they have inspected in the in their w- wide range of offerings throughout the Europe. Um, so no, all, all good, thankfully. Uh, look, it's it's really a testament to endurance. The fact that you had so many challenges thrown at you uh, during the course of the construction project, um, and and they'll keep coming for all projects that are going forward. But it's the planning I'm interested in. You're talking about floor to ceiling windows. You've got ground floor cafes, real private space. Not you know you think student, you think boxy. This to me seems it's almost out of kilter, doesn't it? Because you think pack them in, stack them in, squash them in but that that's not what you guys did it, it, it's not really and i suppose it's down to the the, the offering and um the the, the market that need or are in with regard to to, to the quality student accommodation um, i suppose we would consider ourselves quite a, a, an innovative agile company uh, jonathan and this was actually all done in light gauge steel um, so while there was all concrete floors and concrete cores for the, for the stair cores and the, the lifts, all the walls were light gauge steel made by a company, Horizon Offsite in Care. So all the walls were, were fabricated in a controlled environment in Care. And then on a truck over here, I remember uh, listening to you at a conference that you had uh, you had remarked that part of the mercy passed you on uh, yes, the Yes, on, on the N7, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, um, and we're we're a part of that too, building building a um, the uh, wards and operating theatres in the Mercy. But with regard to to Bandon Road, 
Um, it's it's very much you know built on, on a, a modular system with flexibility is is how they they like to market it. So it's you you create great efficiencies by the whole stacking system on all the floors. Every every um, there's a, there's a lot of upfront planning, uh, but I think that actually creates a great uh, deal of collaboration within mm. the team. And then once it comes on site and you have all the the obstacles out of your way, it's very very fluid. You deal with a team of pr- between six and eight people who actually built that with with four cranes. Um, so huge huge efficiencies, especially right. with COVID. You didn't have the um, the, the the multitudes of people in in close spaces. Um, so so it, like, well, it, you're, you're, it, what you're describing. Is, yeah, you're describing effectively a big Lego set. Um, the, the way you're putting it together, a lot of it built off site, brought together, assembled on site, and then the labour comes in the finish. C- correct, and and on top of that, you had the pods, which the bathroom pods, which were put in the the floors as as they would be cast, and the walls be, being built. The windows also went in there. So then, by the time you were you were doing, a, let's say, a, a floor to floor cycle of twelve working days, you'd have your 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 walls built, uh, your pods in place, your windows in place. Um, you you were continuing on, so you can start your first and second fix. Um, MEP works. Uh, you can enclose your windows or enclose your, your floors, having them weather tight, um, and you can t- continue with your first fix of finishes. So, tw- uh, so, so I just, I, there's one line I want to pick up. A twelve has it twelve days floor to floor. Correct. So correct. in other words, you you finished a floor within twelve days, and you moved on to the next floor and the next floor above it. That seems incredible. Correct. Yeah, and and every every wall is is structural. So basically, your need for propping is is minimal. So you have the freedom of movement. A lot of times with uh, traditional builds, you will have your propping in place, and that needs to stay until you're about three floors up. So your ability to actually do work within those spaces is is heavily constrained. Um, your your precision of um, of of tolerances is much improved. A lot less wet works. Um, so there's there's a multitude yeah. of, of benefits, but. The, the big one being speed and efficiency. Co-living space has got a bad rap um, and I know the government kind of moved against them then but it, it's okay in terms of student accommodation because this is not their permanent home. This is where they live when they're studying in the university. Uh, is, is, is that an advantage as well when you're putting together a project like this because it is a specific type of accommodation? De- definitely. You know, you, you've, you've about 15 square metres of living space so they have, as you said, floor to ceiling windows um, you have your bedroom, you have your desk, you have your cupboard, you have your, your heater, you have your, your ensuite, um, and then you, you share between five, six, and eight um, bed uh, an apartment of circa 45 to 50 square meters with fridges, cookers, um, ovens, TV, again, floor to ceiling windows, and then an immediacy space where you, you, you get to, to, to interact with colleagues. Um, and it's it, it's perfect, really. You know, yeah, I mean, it's the, quality the, living in in a, a fantastic environment. Yeah, the only thing overlooking you, the lock. Nobody does the cleaning. You have to do it yourself. I'm presuming it's not it's it's not the idyllic lifestyle where somebody comes in and does the cleaning in the meantime. Well, you you still would have like you know what I mean. It's it's run by a facilities management company, 
So th- there'd be obviously the the common areas would be cleaned, but yes, you'd have to take care of your own. Yeah, bedroom wash your, and your wash socks. your wash your cups, wash your socks. It's, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's not rocket exactly. science. Um, on on the the way we're moving, Cork, as we know, has a problem with apartments. Um, that we haven't really had apartments started in the city since two thousand and seven. Student accommodation like this, uh, particularly the type that you're talking about, is 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 on stream and coming on stream. There's some great projects out there. The concern we would have, Des, is that it, it's going to be even trickier now to get projects off the ground and, and you guys in Clancy Construction do a lot of this you know there's that report out during the week the average cost of building a two bedroom apartment increased by 14% since the start of the pandemic are, are, are apartments becoming further and further away do you think which is utterly tragic considering that they're so needed I, I would hope not Jonathan like I, I know there, there there is a, a lot of concern and uncertainty out there with unfortunately the, the war in Ukraine, we've just finished um, COVID. Well, it's still lingering there, uh, but but more pressing pressing things have, have, have taken its place. But I do sincerely think that we're in a really, really exciting time in the construction industry. I think it's a trans- transformational period, but again, not without its serious challenges. But some of the, the initiatives that the, the government has announced, you know, the, the National Development Plan, uh, the Housing for All, the Capital Programme, the Climate Action Bill, these are huge, huge initiatives with huge, huge funding. Um, and for, for, for one of the, the, the first times, we have a, a kind of a, like a collective where, where everyone is, is on board. And there's a number of highly intelligent people heading up the likes of the, the construction, construction sector, sector group. Uh, we have the, the, the CIF led by Tom Parlin. Um, and our own local rep, Connor, Connor O'Connor, who are doing stellar work and always have. But I think COVID gave them uh, a rightfully elevated platform and a much stronger voice. Um, and I think with, with the, the industry leaders, the action and perception has been greatly enhanced um, and created a, a renewed value for our in Remove the obstacles or at least kind of we'd say um, drive through them to, 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 to be a successful okay. change you well, know I have to say congratulations on what is a fantastic looking project I, I'd nearly want to become a student again to go in and have a look at it but I, I, I I'd, I'd love you to come up actually <laughs> and, and, and just to see kind but of what we're about I get, what we do you offer. know what I'll get in there Des, before the students ruin it right but uh, in other words look well done on the project congratulations fascinating 12 days floor to floor is incredible when you think about it it's the Ashling House Complex of the Bandon Road Des Reardon of Clancy Construction thanks for joining us on Red Business Des Jonathan, my pleasure. All the best. Bye-bye. Red Business with IBEC. Building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. My next guest set up her own business in 2019 to help people like herself who'd been living their lives through the lens of dyslexia. Una Buckley was frustrated. She was anxious. She was bullied at school. Things that are very common for people who are dyslexic. But it helped inspire her to establish Blossom for Life. Una, you're very welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good, Jonathan. Thanks a million for having me on today. I'm delighted to, to offer any suggestions and advice to, to some of your listeners. Is, is it hard still to say out loud that you have dyslexia? Because there was always a stigma that was attached to it. 
Yeah, I suppose I suppose from child to child that will vary and, you know, from adult to adult that can vary greatly as to how comfortable they are with that disclosure element. There is a huge, you know, piece around that with having, let's say, this invisible different way of learning or if some people categorise it as an invisible difficulty that it, it can be very challenging to, to still disclose, particularly for employees now in, in large multinationals or in workplaces, it can be very difficult to do that. Myself, I, I kind of came to terms with it. I suppose I would have struggled with definitely saying it you know outright I wouldn't let's say introduce myself hi I'm Una and I, I'm dyslexic but I, I definitely have embraced it a bit more as I've gotten older but but that can vary greatly from person to person and how it was ever presented to them first will yeah. greatly impact how they perceive their own different way of learning. Because it is way more common than people think isn't it? Like the idea that, that only a small percentage of people are, are affected by dyslexia is a misnomer because there are so many people out there who probably have elements of it's, it's a spectrum in many ways, isn't it? Completely, yeah. So, the, so there's about 10% of the population globally. Um, they say in, in recent studies that there's about one in every um, three in, in Ireland classrooms at the moment, um, both at all levels that have a different way of learning, ranging from dyslexia or to autism uh, along that, let's say, scale. But it is very, very common and it is very, you know, prevalent moving forward. And from society and evolution, there will be more and more students, let's say, that will gain on under this, this umbrella label heading as, as we move forward. So tell us a little bit about Blossom for Life. Where did the idea come from? Yeah, so I suppose I'm now trained as a dyslexic assessor and specialist as myself. I, I'm highly dyslexic, so I had many, many challenges in my own school and university background and realised, I suppose, through many, many years of spending so much time doing homework and you know, preparing for exams, uh, there was definitely, I suppose, an easier way to, to try and combat material and to, to learn things and retain information. So I generated some of my own strategies, you know, at a very young age to help get me through the system and then realised, I suppose, as I got a bit older, actually, this is something I, I would really like to help others do and help kids, but adults and, and all across the, the age demographic to help them move through their own milestones. So we personalised um, support for students of, of all ages in age group and with all different learning difficulties so we focus definitely on dyslexia but we work with students with with autism dysgraphia dyscalculia to help them you know flourish and develop in a school setting but also in a workplace setting uh, that, that gives rise to my question is is there an age limit uh, do you know do you have to be in school uh, or do you have there to be an not, adult is no, it everybody really, we, we, we would have yes I don't we would have an awful lot of, of younger students however we work with an awful lot of adults and corporations and lecturers and teachers across the board as well so there there doesn't need to be any age limit once you have I suppose a different way of learning you have it for life so unfortunately that mindset of when you just finish school you're just supposed to you know cope on yourself in the world can be very challenging for an awful lot of adults as well. Um, When you look now at the people that you're helping is it fulfilling everybody who sets up a business wants it to have an impact and and make a difference in people's lives okay you know everybody wants to make profit and and, and put food on the table but at the same time I'd imagine your job is a bit more fulfilling than others exactly well I suppose I'm very passionate about what I do from my own background I've had all the struggles I can recognize the signs and when I face with a student that you know has an awful lot of mental health or anxiety issues but also greatly struggles in, in school and at home I can completely resonate with them and and thankfully over time we build that bond and build that link and if that's as simple as you know them doing a small bit better on a spelling test or you know them sitting they're leaving cert exams or, or whatever those milestones are for them I'm very fortunate 
managed to then be included and in part of their journey of development. So it is very highly rewarding, very highly tasking at times, definitely, but very, very highly rewarding that I have been given a gift to be able to to help others in this way. When you look at the available market for your business, if you're saying 10% have some form in some shape or form that may have impacted their lives, many people may not have impacted them at all, but some it really did. Like there's a lot of people out there to help, isn't there? And there's potential for growth for businesses such as yours, Una. Completely, yeah. I suppose a lot of people would come to us, Jonathan, and obviously they're they're unaware of, of services out there outside of school. They're unaware that there are specialised trained people that can help in, in certain areas. But there is obviously a, a huge mass market, obviously from an Irish basis, but obviously internationally as well as across the globe. Obviously people viewed pieces of information, have to go through school, have to go through colleges um, and often are left up to their own devices as to how they navigate through that. Some can manage well and unfortunately others can, you know, lead down maybe an unhealthy path and and hopefully can eradicate that as they get older. But there definitely is, is huge potential and, and scope mm. to, to help an awful lot of people. And a lot of potential out there that, that could be wasted if people don't access the right kind of help for them, which is why you set up Blossom for Life. If people are trying to contact you, how do they find you? So we have our, our website page up at the over the last almost year and a half to two years at www.blossomforlife.com where we provide an awful lot of suggestions and tips and resources for, for people. We did a lot of podcasts as well actually through through COVID and at the moment we've created actually a free booklet for, for listeners if they want to go onto the website they click on our mailing list and input the details and they'll get the free downloadable booklet sent to them where they can provide you know just tips and tricks at home or for teachers or for parents if they're liaising with a student with a different way of learning what can help them on the day-to-day platform to help them do that well it's blossom for life it's the number four so blossom number four life.com it is thank you jonathan for for articulating that yes it's and we, very we, important we, we set it up that way to to link in with the maths element so not all students with dyslexia might have dyscalculia which um struggles you know students will struggle with with a maths maths element to their their learning difference so mm. we said we put a number in just to, just to, to be yeah, no, no, it, it, it makes sense as well and you, look if you google it'll come up anyway because you probably have it set up that way una buckley founder exactly. of blossom for life thank you so much for joining us in red business and the best of luck Thanks a million, Jonathan, for your time. Delighted to be part of the podcast. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Lots of businesses are working hard to retain very valuable staff that have given so much over the pandemic. Two firms on the Kinsale Road in the city have now pledged to give their employees the gift of time as they switch to a 32-hour working week. It's a trial basis, but an interesting one. Ashling Lee is Head of HR and Operations at Southern Tapes, and she's with us now. Hello, Ashling. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks uh, for having us on. Uh, good to talk to you. Before we get into the shorter working week thing, what do Southern Tapes do? So we are a packaging company based up here in Fort Hill, as you mentioned. And we, I suppose we're a predominantly distribution company and we are founded, I think it was 1984. Um, so it's packaging. We do industrial, you know, the kind of sellotape, your bubble wrap. Well, we're hopefully moving away from all those things now into more greener products, but we started the food packaging then in 2009 and that was a slow and steady process of i suppose researching and developing compostable packaging which we have you know moved on from even since then it was a very slow steady um i suppose slog at the start um but thanks to uh, hard work and a talented team over the last 13 years it has you know turned into 
a reputable brand, uh, you know, and um, I suppose we're kind of leading the way. I'd like to think in the compostable packaging thing. So, yeah. Um, so you've, yeah, it, it, it's a company that's evolved an awful lot, but by the sounds of it, you've a little bit of everything. You've got people working in the warehouse, you've got offices, you've got management, you've got people we who do, are on the road. Production even as well. Yes, yeah. so there's a little bit of everything going on and, and everybody going yeah. at their own pace. Uh, how much yeah. of a shift is it to move from, I don't know whether you did a 39 or a 40 hour a week or whatever it was, back to 32? So we did a 39 um, week and... It, initially, we had kind of looked at the four-day week um, scenario, but just with the nature of the business, we couldn't afford to close for a day, um, and I, we didn't have enough staff, you know, with annual leave and things like that. So we kept kind of looking at it and parking it, and then coming back to it and tweaking it, and then we realised that you could actually still go with the same concept of thirty-two hours, um, but spread it over five days. So we kind of yeah, we played around with it for a couple of months, and. I mean, we, we pieced it all together and what, what we hope will work. But it's not so far. It's, today's only day three, obviously. So it's very early days. And um, hopefully I'll be saying the same thing in a couple of weeks time. <laughs> but so far, so good. And everyone is, you know, I think everyone wants to make it work. So no one has complained or no one has. Well, yeah, it's, what did you say? Early days. Yeah, do you never know? There's always room. But how do you decide when they get the time back? Does everybody work four days or do do you choose your hours? Or how do you yes, make it okay. work logistically? Because that's what I'm intrigued about. So basically you you kind of team up with somebody. So we have enough people in each department that you can tally with somebody. So um, we'll have someone who will do an 8 to a 2.30 shift and then we'll say if there's three people in one department, then we'll have someone coming in from 9 to 3.30 and then the third person will do the 10 a.m. to 4.30 shift and that is when we close. So we open from 8 a.m. to 4.30. Um, and there's a little bit of give and take. You know, if somebody wants to switch it, they can, you know, they can switch it up or rotate between them. Or if someone is off, you might you know, stay a little bit longer on that day. But that was actually the staff's suggestion as such, you know, because we wanted to hand it back to them and for them to come up with a way for their department to work so that they they were able to have their say more so. Yeah, and it's a 180-100 rule. Tell us what that means. So it is 100% production for 80% of the time for 100% pay. So everyone is still, you know, it's kind of an opt-in. Contracts stay the same, nothing changes. But people have opted into this 32-hour week. So essentially you are contracted to you know work for 39 and be paid for 39 but you can opt in to only work and be here for 32 hours okay and obviously productivity cannot drop you yeah, know, see, and that, well, like, then we're just going back yeah well exactly then you're, you're giving yeah. stuff away for free at that point so but the, the yeah, one thing yeah. ashling that that struck us all about the pandemic was there was a fear amongst employers that all of a sudden mm. staff are going to be sitting at home doing nothing Whereas what actually happened in reality was people got more productive. That, you know, meetings happened on time. Uh, people were less stressed because they, were, they weren't sitting in their cars in traffic. And, and I, yeah. I think that employers were pleasantly surprised when they started trusting their employees a bit more. I'm presuming it's the yeah. same logic behind this. Do you know what, Jonathan? It's actually, it's not, it's not that it's not. There was definitely an element of that. Um, but it was actually Tony um, who owns the company. He had come up with this idea um, before the pandemic, not so much a four-day working week, but he was always an advocate for working less. Um, you, I mean, we never got further than that, but he definitely, he felt that people work so hard. They He, he noticed that people had very, I suppose, less time or 
little time to do things outside of work, you know, like getting to an appointment or getting to the bank. And especially if you maybe had kids, you know, and it was it was very hard to, to you know, I suppose, get all the jobs done outside of work and have a, a personal life as well as a professional one. Um, so we always toyed with the idea actually before the pandemic. And yeah, I suppose that's actually where it stemmed from. We could just never make it work. And we have a great team and that was something that he always wanted to, I think it was rewarding the team as such. Mm. We have a very loyal team and we're very lucky that they have been here for a very, very long time. Um, so we well, have, I, I'd, ima- I think a lot of, I'd imagine, yeah. Ashling, the, the key challenge is holding on to staff at the moment. And if the option is to move to a company that makes you work 39 hours and pays yeah. you for 39 hours versus a company that makes yeah. you work 32 hours, but you get paid for 39 hours, it's kind of a, a no-brainer, <laughs> isn't it? It's very attractive. Um, I think a lot of companies are having difficulty retaining staff. I think it's a two-year average that people stay in, in a role at the moment. But it's like we didn't actually, we didn't have that thankfully but that is that is because we have genuinely you know it's, it's actually true we have a great team and they've been here for so long and we've the only roles that we've been hiring for are actually new roles in the company which yeah. I did actually find it very difficult to, to fill absolutely um, initially well stick a big but, sign outside saying 32 hour work and week you'll be inundated <laughs> I'm telling you Ashley it's really interesting <laughs> really to hear all about it uh, tell us what the websites uh, for the companies if people are looking up Southern Tapes so, yes, it's stppackaging.ie and we are working on the down-to-earth one at the moment. So um, that is down-to-earthmaterials.ie as well. Okay. But the e-commerce site for um, STP is new and that was launched, I think, just maybe six months ago. And, you know, we're kind of, we're, it's, we, we said we'd start small and just see how, how it gets on. And thankfully, you know, there's a lot of work that went into the back of it and it is paying off. But because our opening hours actually haven't really changed a whole lot, we, we don't notice it. We, we didn't need them in place, I yeah. suppose, to implement the 32-hour well, week no, as such. Wish you and all your colleagues the very best luck. It's brilliant to hear about it in practice Thanks, and, and actually working so far. But uh, for now, thank you so much uh, Great, for joining us. Ashling Lee, Head of HR and Operations at Southern Tapes there. Really interesting. How many other companies are going to follow suit, do you think? That is it from this week's episode. Don't forget, Red Business in Focus is our video series with the local enterprise offices. That is up right now on on redfm.ie. Kara McDonough is the producer of Red Business and we will catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable competitive future for Cork business.